Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations, where we are having inclusive conversations with inclusive people who are doing amazing things in their neighborhoods. On today's Neighborhood Conversations, we have the amazing KJ, who is someone who I would say is an amazing personal friend of mine. But hey, we're going to have a conversation with him today, and we're going to ask the employment question that is always asked in an interview. So tell us about himself. But before we do that, I want to welcome the amazing Simone Farmer, who is our new intake coordinator here at Timo Cooperative. Simone, welcome. How are you? Hi, Templeton. I'm well. Um, super excited to be here with um, the both of you today. Um, and, you know, just kind of having more conversations and yeah, excited to be here. Awesome, Simone. You know, today, um, we're going to be highlighting Pride Month. This is our second Pride episode, and we're going to be celebrating Be Queer, Queer's Love. That's one of the things that Suzanne, our former, our, our last episode said, um, Queer's Love. And that's something that we're going to start off with. Um, KJ, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. And so I'm going to start off, like I said, with the employment question that's always asked. Tell us about yourself. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> There we go. Well, thanks for having me. I always love to be in the space of good people having good conversations. So, you know, I am KJ, but like the full government name, gotta give credit where credit is due to the heritage, is uh, Kiel Misbook on your steed. And I'm coming, uh, I'm in Halifax now, and but like, you know, the Maritimes is my second home, but my first home is Bermuda. I'm coming from the islands of Bermuda, uh, which is like a little island, collection of islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So I always like to recognize that like when you hear me you're hearing the my, you're hearing my heritage and you're hearing the creation of, of of folks who created me to hear like you know as my grandparents used to always said i'm a i'm a, i'm the dream of the slave where you know i'm i'm here because of the sacrifices of my ancestors and the sacrifices of my country Awesome. Wow. KJ, it's so good to have you here. And yeah. fellow Caribbean, Caribbean. But is Bermuda, is Bermuda even Caribbean? Would you consider don't, Caribbean? Don't, don't, don't start. Don't, don't start. Okay, okay, okay. We won't go there today. You know, we, we may not be physically in the Caribbean, but like we, we, we are part of the, we're Caribbean at heart. We have the blood, we have the sweat and the tears of, of the shared history of the Caribbean, you know? Awesome, awesome. Well, I, 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 will leave, I will leave it like that, and let's go into dive into the conversation. KJ, we are here to welcome you here to talk about um, pride, not only pride, but the LGBTQ2 plus IA community. Um, just making sure that we spread awareness um, and education as we continue to move forward. And so, my first question: uh, We've access to our second, our first guest that was here. Why do we celebrate Pride? What does it mean to you personally um, and historically? Can you share that? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, when it comes to Pride, like first we have to understand that it's privileged to be able to have this conversation and feel safe. You know, you feel me what I'm saying? Where like my my journey to self-acceptance and self-understanding has been a tough one where I spend 19 years of my life in the closet, not because of, um, you know, I thought I'll be weird or anything like that. I spent 19 years in the closet because of the toxic culture that the Caribbean has around individuals are part of the LGBT plus community. So, and you know, I, I'm, I'm young. So like we celebrate, we should celebrate pride to let folks know that there are people around the world that still cannot celebrate pride. 
and when we celebrate pride it's to recognize it's to recognize folks that the fight is still being um fought and to like showcase the intersectionality of the community um like you know i i think we are so quick to look at pride as a party you know we're gonna get these new toys you know rainbow fever and everything like that but at the end of the day it's a social movement that looks at decolonizing our approach to how we develop structures so I celebrate Pride because I look at everything as a systems thinker and looking at policy and community building and all that fun stuff. So I celebrate Pride to let folks know that the fight's still being fought for our brothers and sisters around the world in countries where folks can have these conversations. So that's why I celebrate it. And I celebrate it because of the people who paved the way. Like I look at um, Barrett Rustin, for example, who no one knows who he is. But he is literally the architect who created the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, 70s and 80s. Like he, for four decades after Martin Luther King, this openly black gay male went to the streets, was a political strategist, was a lobbyist to really get legislation created and get policies in. As someone who lives and breathes policy, like this man is my, my hero um and so yeah so like we celebrate that like we celebrate our forefathers our foremothers uh, you know our four thems and theys uh especially when it comes to the creation of like pride celebrations it was like trans folks who who really led the way of like being like we're here we're queer and we're gonna tell you how we feel about this so i feel like that's what we should celebrate pride and that's how i celebrate pride um you know people may disagree with me on a few things but yeah, that's where I come from. It's like it's understanding the work that's been done, and and that, and that's so so true. History, um, policies, um, foundation, um, guidelines. It's it's important, it, and and that's what guides us and protects us and makes us makes us more open um to move forward um in 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 the community which we exist. And so, exactly. Simone, I'm gonna I, Simone, I'm gonna allow you to go to ask the next question. Okay. Yeah. Um. KJ, that I. You know, your reason for celebrating Pride um, is sitting with me. It's like resonating with me. Um, yeah, I really, really like your reason behind it. So that's yeah. great. Um, yeah, so my next question would be, um, so there's sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, so can you maybe um, tell us what the difference between um, the two are? I feel like some folks may not be aware of what the difference is. Yeah. So, uh, and I also would like to say that, like, I'm, I ain't no expert. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, always yeah. learning. I'm yeah. always learning. Um, I'm Listen, always you're in the neighborhood. You're in the neighborhood. <laughs> this is the neighborhood conversation. This is why we're, exactly. we're doing this. So go ahead. Yeah, exactly. But like, when it comes to sexuality, it's more on um, how do you interpret it? How you interpret love? Like, you know, we are such a social species and you know, the idea of love and building um, building a family and, and building who you are is so ingrained in our society and us as a, as a species, like, you know, our survival, <laughs> you know, since we created civilizations has been resulted in, you know, um, coming together. Um, so I, I look at sexuality and how you interpret how you want to build your life once you leave that, that 
that um, that infancy stage and that the adolescence and that teen stage of like how you want to build your life with someone. So, so I look at sexuality in that in that lens. Um, you know, I, I think of my gender my gender studies professors. They may be like, you know, you know better. You should be more. You should be more critical with it. But that that's how I've grown to look at it. And you know. Um, gender base is like how do you see yourself as as a as a person and how you engage with space and place um that's a lot of work that i do is around placemaking and space and um we really look at your identity people don't take into consideration their identity in these spaces so when i look at gender identity i look at how do you interact with space how do you interact in society based on who you are so that's those are my that's how i would i would break it down maybe a little uh hippie but like you know I, i'm all about it that's right yeah. that's okay. right yeah <laughs> that's how that's how you have to be with these responses so it connects me to my next question as a member of the lgbtq plus 2ia community how would you encourage other allies to be better um persons to ally for other ma- marginalized groups within the lgbtq um 2ia plus community how, how would you say that um, like this is actually something that like I, I I very much struggle with because we're such in a in an era of performative allyship, um, you know. And I, ever since the death of George Floyd, like I, like growing up, like I've always seen a death of a George. Like the idea of George Floyd has right. been something I've seen my whole life, but because of the compound of like COVID and just like other injustices. I'm really been under. I've been really been trying to encourage folks when you say the word allyship and when you want to be in, in the con- in conversation of being an ally, folks need to take into consideration the intersectionality of people and education and and actually allowing first persons to have the opportunity to voice their opinion. So mm-hmm. I look at me, for example, when people see me, you know, I I sound like a Canadian because like you know I know how to code switch, uh, but people don't know that I'm from the Caribbean or I'm from the Caribbean diaspora. Yeah. So my approach to being gay is compounded on the fact that, you know, my country is not a developing developed country or developing country. It has different social economic barriers. My country is still a British colony. So it still has colonization context with it. And especially with, you know, how, homosexuality was victimized within the Caribbean. You know, that's how we were able to uphold colonization. And then add on to the fact that, you know, you're an immigrant in a new place. So when you engage, I remember my first pride, I was terrified, but everyone was pushing me because it's like, you gotta go, you're gay. And the amount of anxiety I felt from, you know, experiencing my first pride in a place where like i didn't know who like how how i wanted to be as a gay as a gay male um which causes a lot of issues so i always tell folks is educate and listen to the first person uh, person point of view um and you know do your own research as well so that the first person is not doing all the work unless you're paying them. If you're paying them to do this, that's another conversation. But like, if you want the person, if you want to be an ally, there needs to be a conversation around, you know, understanding those intersectionalities because people's interaction with the community is so um, complex. Cause you know, for the longest while, 
I did not want to associate myself with the community because of the racism I experienced from the gay community. So it was interesting dynamic that I had when I first started to really ask this question because it was like, you know, I'm gay, but then I don't, I don't, I'm receiving all of this um, discrimination and racism yeah. from a community that's supposed to accept mm-hmm. me. So I always tell folks is understanding the story and understanding your historical context as well of like the LGBT movement within your region, your town, your city, your place. And like, you know, going back to what I said earlier, it's understanding place and how individuals interact with place. Wow. Understanding place and how people uh, interact with place and understanding the story, which is yeah. um, so some people are not listeners. So they, they, and they, well, um, they don't like to listen. And, and how do you feel? Do you feel that you're heard? Or do you feel that we are heard um, in in this current time um, in the workplace um, in general? How do you feel about that? When it comes to being a part Our of community. the community? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say yes and no. Like it depends on the it depends on the community and depends on like your confidence in it. Like me being able to have this conversation with that with my full name and like being like this is because of confidence. So it depends on people's journey, you know, like, like I, you know, you know, I'm candid. <laughs> so like, if I see some, if I don't, if I see something that I'm like, this ain't sparking joy for me, we need to, we need to get this in order. But that takes time to get to that point. And not everyone has that. And and I'm like that because I didn't have advocates, you know, and, and that's the power of having advocates in workplaces where, you know, people are so, especially now with this like you know left and the right and you know people with this council culture people are so afraid to like mess up that people it's safer in people's perception to keep quiet and not ask questions but that in my opinion causes more harm and causes more animosities especially in the workplace in particular um where individuals aren't open to having these type of conversations that we're trying to have here today where it's like you know people need to have those conversations i I remember when my best friend and i he was like he was pushing me to go to this pride thing and i had to say well bro like you know what if someone sees a picture and then like it goes back to bermuda and i don't know what would happen (laughs) there you know or or like you know what if i'm at a pride parade and something happens to me and i receive racism or the fact that like I went 19 years of my life in the closet. When I say in the closet, I mean like closet, closet, like lights out in the corner, hiding type of closet. So are you just going to be like, okay, you're just going to open up? Like how can you prepare people, especially, you know, as we focus a lot on like immigration and diversity and inclusion that we, you know, we're, we're having this perception of what pride should be. And I always ask people like, "Who's at the table?" I always, I always say like, "Who's at the table?" Like when, when people are making HR policies when it comes to LGBT, yeah. who's at, the, who's at that table? Yeah. And like, and how are we empowering first voices that actually have the power to create that self determination, so that they could create policies um, or create programming that actually is beneficial to them you know so it's 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 understand it's taking the time to be like it's okay to mess up it's okay to be ignorant like but it's not okay to 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 like allow your ignorance to create hate if your ignorance is because of like 
not understanding on stuff like that, let's explore that and let's build a sense of education. But I'll be out here in these streets trying to be rude. No, no, no. It's, not, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a vibe. It's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, 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 that's a really good response. So Moon, I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead um, to ask the next question. We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories. I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people like I was hired. I want to give guys that chance. Il me fera plaisir de continuer à travailler avec les immigrants francophones à Nouvelle-Écosse. I am looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before. And now back to the podcast. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, again, like your your responses are are sitting with me um, in a good way. So yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, the next question is: um, How should we respond um, if we are hearing rumors about someone, you know, being lesbian or gay, bisexual? transgender, um, how should we respond to those types of rumors? Mm. That's tough. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's really tough. Um, but I, I would always, I always say like kindness and, and like, you know, I say that now, like, don't, don't make it seem like I'm like this saint because like, I have my days, but like, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I always, I always try to, I always, um, I always try to hold the space, um, right. when I'm in interactions like this, uh, especially when it comes to understanding identity or understanding individuals' personalities. Uh, I, I always try to like step in. Um, but you know, that first it comes with doing your own work, you know? So yeah. I would say, if you in your workplace are receiving hearing racism, oh no, sorry, wrong hat. Uh, if, if you're hearing like someone's coming out, like the first thing that folks, I always tell folks to do is one, you know, you gotta put your, your big pants on and, and say, and, and go through the proper chain of command, you know, mm-hmm. and say like, this is happening. Um, and I feel a little uncomfortable you know, and then allow the proper chain of commands to, you know, actually start having these conversations. Um, and then secondly, nip that in the butt. Like if people are going around your office space, that's, that's like a whole other can of worms about like organizational behavior that's going to just like dilute your morale. So like if, if someone is like actively talking about that in the workplace, just like, cut it out like you know and and have and have that leadership capabilities to be like yo this is not cool for this workplace this is this is not um what is needed um and then like you know if this individual wants to come out and say like you know this is who they are you know go on them but like it's none of your it's none of your business mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah, so like so, wanting to like they'll come out to you when they're ready type type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's um so I always say that like it's it's followed that those proper chain of commands, nipping mm-hmm. that those rumors because if you're if someone's able to say a rumor about someone's sexuality, that could be that is a sign of like 
of, of the violence that like, you know, goes back to what folks are working for. Um, you know, people need to take the time to be in their own journey to figure out how they want to be in this space. And, you know, I feel like this is going to be my buzzword is like place, like your work and your work and your environment is your place. So how individuals like to interact with that place need to be respected. And I always like, I do like a lot of um, work around psychological safety. You know, that's the conversation when, you know, you get your boss or your, your supervisors to like, how can we develop a cycle, a space of psychological safety within this place of employment and in this, in this environment so that like, you know, if there are questions or curiosities around, you know, sexuality or part of the LGBT community or pride in general, that we build up the tool kits so that people can have these type of conversations. Because what people fail to realize is sometimes when we have these type of conversations, especially when we're dealing with first person's voices, you know, they cause harm. You don't know what people's experience are. And, you know, we want people to come to work in their authentic self because it is proven, um, you know, like um, I don't have the stats with me, um, but, you know, when I did work uh, at uh, when I was with the government in New Brunswick, I did a lot of work on their diversity and inclusion strategy. And the research that we found was that when individuals come to work with their authentic self, productivity goes out of the roof because no one's thinking about, you know, I got to I gotta code switch. I got to do this. I got to, like, make sure I say partner and not boyfriend or, or girlfriend. So um, I would say that, like, it comes down to that place and, like, how leadership good true leadership wants to create an inclusive mindset when it comes to um the culture within the work environment wow that place that's my hot take the place it goes in, it, it goes back to it's, place. It's, it back it's, to place. it's important but how how do you create that place how, how do you create that place what are some tips or some resources that people can can look at when creating that place or that safe space for conversations yeah, yeah. I, I like first like be comfortable with being uncomfortable and being able to fail. Like, ah, that just tr- that that's my trigger. Where we're so rigid to be like, we have to do this, we got to do this. Like, no, you got to mess it up. You got to be uncomfortable. You have to um, learn how to be. Right. You have to be able to be. Um, you have to learn how to be able to be in uncomfortable situations, but be respectful. That's how you can know that you have developed true organic inclusion because like what we're doing now is very strategic inclusion and strategic diversity which has a purpose for someone else that's not organic that's not you know how how the world lives like i find it very fascinating that you know everyone's always fascinated about inclusion it's like oh we got to be inclusive like how can we do that when this planet or that we're on survives on organic inclusion like if you look at the the um the the ecosystem when it comes to like like a healthy forest survives because it's diverse you know cities are successful because they are diverse you know i always and i always tell folks who just like oh we talk about diversity inclusion too much i'm like your wealth portfolio is successful because it's diverse. So yeah. like if we're able to do these things when we develop organic inclusions in ways that's beneficial and we do that because we fail, 
we need yeah. as a society embrace the idea of failure, especially when it comes to the leadership. Um, and leaders need to understand that, you know, they need to show by example by saying, okay, I messed up around this topic. Let's have a collective conversation. And then two, you know, investing in developing good organizational behavior. Um, like everyone makes fun of the HR department. I love HR. I actually went to university for HR um, because it's it's so important to understand group dynamics and, and team dynamics and to ensure that you're able to build groups that can have good psychological safety to one, be productive, but two, be able to have that organic inclusion where you're developing good citizens who understand that once they leave that workspace, they're going into society. So if they're able to go into society and um, have that mindset of having that psychological safety, good organic inclusion, the rippling effects that someone has simply by just taking the time to ask questions, educate themselves, and allowing it to be structured in a way that's beneficial just think about the, the the positive impact that could happen in society when employers actually help um, places be organic in society. So I would say that's the first step. And it's not like big, you know, I see a lot of people hiring these DNI consultants, which, you know, it they trigger me sometimes, but I'm also like, interesting. <laughs> but like, you know, but, but instead of having these big consultants from these big firms, like right. you have experts in your community. Like mm-hmm. it, I, it always makes me laugh when we, we fly someone into Toronto to talk about um, inclusion when you have so many good people within our cities, our towns, and mm-hmm. our communities who wake up every day and say, I choose to develop organic inclusion. Like why aren't we having conversations about um, building up our internal and local capacity to develop organizational behavior that has an inclusive mindset. So I would say that's the first step. Um, don't be running out decorating your office without like, you know, having these type of conversations. You may scare someone. But um <laughs> but that, I, I would say that's that's the first step. And, and I totally agree. Don't be decorating your office with so much pride um flies and so if you don't know what exactly what it means and if you don't respect you're just um putting it up because you because of the awareness. No. That's we only have pride in Halifax for a week or, or for for but pride is um every day we we mm-hmm. celebrate pride every day um and and that's how we should act in that way yeah. um and like i say the policies the governance um the structures that you talked about um just now kj so important very important yeah. totally yeah because i you know i see me I, I always love when june comes because like it's like <laughs> all like I, I saw memes of it like where like you you see like the normal logo and then boom you got the you got the rainbows. So one thing that I like to do in my in my I don't have my shades, but like when I be shady, I like to I message these organizations to be like, what are your what are your um, policies that are dedicated for your LGBT community employees? Right. Ghosts, crickets. Like yeah. so, like I always say that. Like and and I always encourage. And this is one thing that like I that folks can take away. Like if you're seeing your employer putting up these um, pride flags, um, like, you know, ask the question, like, what are our policies? What are our procedures? What are our educations? Um, You know, how are we developing this sense of organic 
inclusion within the LGBTQ community? Like, how are being allies? Like, ask the questions, like, you know? And that's a form of allyship that people fail to realize, you know? <sighs> like, I... Yeah, that because that's where people need it. They need it the most. They need it in their workplace because it's that's dealing with your livelihood. You don't want to rock the boat. Like you know, we live in a society where you know you go to work and you don't you know rock the boat. You you try to you know you stay on the, the good and narrow. You try to conform yourself to that culture, and if that culture is not designed to allow individuals to come to themselves authentically. What type of harm are we putting to people when majority of our lives are are dedicated in work? Like, you know, we're working 40 hours a week in work dealing with that. So what are, is the compound? And I, like, you know, you know me, I always think big. What is the social and community risk to not having inclusive workplaces when it comes to the uh, LGBT community? It's economic um, policy. Like, you know, being inclusive is good economic policy. See now, now we gotta welcome you on the podcast to talk about economic policies because then that'll then that'll cause into a different conversation um, on on policy development and why policy development is important. I think that that's important because um, that's how communities um, are structured and how how we how we actually accept people based on um, the policies and and the guidelines that we set before ourselves um, in order for us to um, have a smooth transition. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I totally exactly. agree. So, so as we wrap up um today's podcast, um KJ, I want to end with this. I want to end with this question. Um, if someone wants advice on what to tell their roommate, friends, or family about being lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans transgender, um, how can they help? How well, what can they say to others um who want to educate um their 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 roommates um and friends and and family members. I would say first, you know, if it's the individual who's a part of the community, um, find an find an elder, um, find someone who's willing to talk to you, and find someone who's willing to provide that governance. Sorry, that guidance. There we go. Wrong hat again. Um, <laughs> I love. You can tell I love governance. I, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> Um, but like, you know, having that mentorship, I, I wouldn't be here today and have this confidence if it wasn't for the individuals coming to me and actually providing me with that blanket of calmness and, and, and healing needed to, to be in the space to talk like that being able to articulate, Hey, I am is one of the hardest things or it gets me like teary eyed just thinking about it. It's. It's one of the hardest things that, that you have to do. And it's and one thing that people fail to realize is that you come out once, but every single time you're interacting with someone new, you are having that 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 briefing moment of like, okay, I'm I'm coming out again. This could go very good or very bad. You don't know where it's gonna be. So I would say first do that and like you don't like one thing I not to sound that I'm old, but in my day, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I was not connected to the world, you know? So the fact that young folks nowadays have platforms, um, you know, like I have my opinions on social media, but, you know, I find it beautiful where you have kids and young folks who are able to use these platforms to be allies for each other and be 
like sounding boards for each other and like you're connecting adults you're connecting young people and and, and you're connecting folks in ways that you can have these organic conversations so i'll say start there and then individuals regardless we should start having conversations about our fellow citizens like right. period like right. that's the like at the end of the day we all pay taxes to uncle justin like like you know <laughs> Like the the CRA doesn't look at us and say like okay so this person's like you know straight so we're gonna do this like when it comes to being on um, as far, like you know when it comes to being in this country we all whether you're a permanent resident you either you're a permanent resident of Canada or a Canadian you know you're living within these jurisdictions so you know we should just take the time to understand who our citizens are so that we can be allies regardless I feel like that's Canada's competitive advantage is embracing inclusion as as bad as you know we have our issues around the topic around inclusion you know Canada is growing to be this inclusive mecca of a country and like we're at ground level like we're just starting with this so if everyone just takes time just takes one day to understand something new about a different demographic within this country let's just think of how powerful we can actually be when we're taking the time to understand folks like you know not to change the topic uh like not talk about someone else but like i always say like i like uh, like my partner is from quebec and i never uh, we all you always hear negative connotations about quebec being separatist and you know all the cats meow but it didn't take it took me taking the time to understand the history of Quebec, understand the history of the French language and how culture plays a role and identity and how individuals interact with place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that where that, um, that not, I won't say venom, but like, you know, where that passion for protectionist comes from. And when you, when people talk, when like other people who are not from Quebec look at Quebec, you always have these lists of things that you say not saying Quebec is perfect, it has its issues, but what if we all took the time to understand the perspective of Quebec? How how about if we took the time to take the perspective of like uh, someone who's a part of the LGBTQ community who lives in Canada, who's indigenous, you know, or who who, who is from a rural community or who's, who's an African of Scotian or who's black or who's this, like, you know, and really taking the time to really embrace what does it mean to be a inclusive society that takes into account of the intersectionality of its people and i feel like that's my takeaway it's like that's all that's the homework we all have to do is taking that time to educate ourselves and listening and researching and like pushing that narrative out and allowing people to like be a part of the conversation and there you have it that that that's that's (laughs) just how we that's just how we need to end this podcast um (laughs) Set a space, create the space, educate yourself, make sure those policies are in line, create those policies, review those policies, edit those policies, edit those guidelines that accepts us as a community in order to move forward. KJ, Simone, I thank you both. Um, one, KJ, I thank you for being an amazing guest um, to providing Aww. resources and, and yeah, advocacies. Thank and, and Simone, thank you for being an amazing co-host alongside me. I can't, I can't do without the co-host, you know. <laughs> just, just making <laughs> sure that we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just making sure that we um, continue to advocate um, and educate people within our neighborhood. 
at the neighborhood conversations we invite people to connect and this is our way of connecting to celebrate pride month thank you so much everyone and we'll see you at the next episode This podcast is funded by the government of Nova Scotia.